I'm Stefan Siddig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theatre administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guests today are Ilona Dulosky and Tom Story, two of the most respected and celebrated theater actors in the Washington, D.C. area. Ilona is an accomplished actor, singer, and voiceover artist. She has performed in multiple productions at the Kennedy Center, Signature Theater, Studio Theater, Roundhouse Theater, Olney Theater Center, and Wayside Theater, among many others. Her portrayal of Maria Callas in Terence McNally's Master Class at Metro Stage garnered rave reviews. Tom has appeared as an actor in over 70 productions in New York, D.C., and in many cities throughout the country. He is an affiliated artist at the Shakespeare Theatre Company, where he has starred in works by Shakespeare, Noel Coward, Stephen Sondheim, David Ives, and others. He has also directed various productions at Baltimore Theatre Festival, Adventure Theatre, Solas Nua, and Roundhouse Theatre. Tom is a graduate of Duke University and the Juilliard School and he has been nominated seven times for DC's Helen Hayes Award. He last appeared at Metro Stage in the one-person show Fully Committed, where he played over 40 characters. Ilona and Tom will be starring together for the first time as part of Metro Stage's tribute to the late, great Terrence McNally in his play Mothers and Sons, streaming online January 13 through 17 at metrostage.org. Hi, Alona. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you so much for joining us here on American Theatre Artists Online on our podcast. We're really glad that you were able to, to be part of this today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Um, I, you know, as I was looking through all the stuff that you've been doing and that you have done in your career as an actor, singer, voiceover artist, and many other things. Uh, I've been, I was really, really impressed with how many different theaters you have worked in, not just in the Washington DC area where you are very well respected and known as an accomplished actor, singer, and voiceover artist, but everywhere else too. You've been, you know, you've done a lot of different things around uh, the country. And, and, and so today we're talking specifically about Terrence McNally and his work. And, um, but I wanted to just, before we jump in, ask you how you're holding up during this, um, you know, long quarantine that we're all on. I'm holding up pretty well. Uh, but you know, I, I grew up being pretty solitary because my mother was a concert pianist. And, uh, so I had to be quiet from nine o'clock until one and uh. she would practice, but then I'd be going to school. But, um, my brother and I both got used to, I don't know, entertaining ourselves. So, uh, this pandemic has not been harsh for me. And, uh, for example, I am taking six classes. Wow. And through continuing education, through Anne Arundel Community College, and I'm taking three classes in French. I've got to have my head examined. Uh, wow. One class in current issues, and then I'm also doing a yoga on Friday. So, And they're all on Zoom. Wow. So you know? mind and body. Mind and body. And uh, I also do a rehearsal with a choir on Thursday nights because they travel a lot. And I, w I want my name sort of as part of their purview so that they will think about me when they, you know, when we can all travel again. Wow. So um, what is what I find has been difficult is Christmas and we're, we're coming into New Year's. And it's like... You know, it's forcing all of us, I think, to look back on this very difficult year. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's something that we haven't wanted to face, but we've been part of it. And you sort of go, oh, my gosh, how, did, how have we gotten through this? 
Right. And New Year's uh, is always emotional for me, no matter what. And I can imagine what's going to happen this year. Well, it's very emotional for me and on two counts because my husband, who I loved him very dearly, he, he died six years ago, but his birthday was New Year's Eve. Oh, and right. he was a Broadway stagehand, and we would just, you know, we'd both be working on New Year's Eve, and we would call each other from the road wherever we were. So, um, you know, it's it's been hard in that way. And, uh, but it's been hard for all of us. Right. And you, and because you are always, at least this is my perception of you, of seeing you on stage in so many different roles, uh, in so many different theaters, my thought is you must've been super busy. And then this pandemic happened. Did you find yourself missing, uh, performing on stage live? Because it's been, it's been, you know, almost a year. Year. Um, I miss my friends. Yeah. I miss being able to hug my friends, you know, because we're all in the business, you, see, you know this, and, uh, you know, it's so ephemeral what we do because we, be- we become very close for a short period of time, and then we may not see each other for another year mm. because we're all doing different kinds of shows. But, uh, no, I've used this time to set up my own home studio because I do do voiceovers, and I started doing standardized patient work again with University of Maryland Medical Center with the uh, with the with the medical students. Hmm. And through that, I learned about a chroma key green screen, oh. and you know, so you can have a background. When we were doing when we were doing mothers and sons, I didn't have the green screen yet. Oh, right. So you didn't have a background for your, for your zoom or whatever you were using. Right. And I did not know that you can change your background with whatever you want. (laughs) I didn't realize that. Yes. But, um, I know Ewan told me about ring lights. Oh, oh, yes. And Ewan Chung is, is playing Will in mothers and sons along with you who play Catherine and Tom story. Uh, who I interviewed and also will be um, right after this interview uh, is playing Cal. So um, yeah, so you you during rehearsals of Mothers and Sons, I was always very impressed at how <laughs> together you were and how familiar you were with the technology. You know, we were talking earlier um, prior to this interview about Joe Biden being of a certain age and being president and getting, there's all this question about can people of a certain age continue or keep up with technology. Um, you are right on there. You're right up on it with all the technology. Well, I sort of always, I actually, I wasn't always like that. But it, since my husband passed, I've had to do everything myself. Right. You know, Steve and I were going to be, he was going to be my uh, monitor for Audible. We were going to do recorded books together. And, you know, we even went up to, we went up to uh, Newark, New Jersey to the corporation of, of Audible and where I auditioned for them and everything. And we got to go to seminars. So Steve went to the seminar for doing the whole book and I went to seminar for edits. I did not know what in the world I was doing. Mm. And, you know, of course you have all these New Yorkers that come down and they know everything and they're, they're, they're brilliant people. And I realized when Steve wasn't around anymore, I was, you know, I had to do it myself and I'm not one of these people who will be left in the dust. Good for you. I refuse. I refuse. Good and for you. so, over the years, but I've had a lot of friends to help me, like um, Ty Ford helped me with my home studio, and we did it via FaceTime. Wow. Yeah, he was able to he help went, you set it up over the over the technology itself, right, to get up right, to Right, and Ewan was, he, he was emailing me to help me learn about the ring lights and, you know, because everything he did was so perfect, and I, I so admired what he did. You got that West Coast advice. You got the L.A. actor <laughs> advice. I got it. <laughs> I got it all. And so um, I think that's why I seem like I'm ahead of the curve. I'm not, a, I'm not ahead of the curve. Well, it, do, it seems that way to me for someone who often struggles with technology myself. Uh, it's been difficult in some, some ways, but I, it's been great watching you and also in rehearsal. So let me, let me ask you about the process because you have done, you have been, you know, in a lot of shows over the years, you have a lot of experience. Live theater is your thing, is one of your things, along with singing and, and voiceover. But um, 
now we're in this brave new world of doing everything and you know on Zoom and on. And so Tom and I was talking a bit about um, how the process is different, not just for rehearsals, but also for actually performing the piece. What was different about the process? How did you how did how did you adapt? It's a completely different format from what actors are used to. And you either go with it or you sink in the dust, literally. Because technically, well, for example, I'm right now, I'm looking at a camera. And that is who I am talking to. Whereas the person that I'm talking to is really on the left side of the screen. But if you look at that person on the left side of the screen, you're not communicating with the audience like you're looking at the real character, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, it's, so, it's sort of a, I find it a bit of a hybrid. Sort of, it's not quite like film or TV, and it's not quite like theater. It's sort of a, elements of both, I think. It's, it's elements of both, and you have to be gentle with yourself because it's a whole new, uh, it's a whole new format that, we really need to get comfortable with because, you know, there's so many media contracts now through the unions that are dealing with Zoom because that's the format we have now. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where it was difficult. And so what I did in order to deal with this, I mean, with Mothers and Sons, Catherine is, she's a very complex character. Uh, what you see is not what you have in front of you really because there's so many layers to her Mm -hmm. and so what I did is I put myself inside of her psyche and realized that the hurts that she had had it's the same as a master class with Maria Callas the hurts that McNally sort of layers into a script are sort of hidden and Mm -hmm. so you have to decipher them for yourself And so, like with Mothers and Sons, what comes through in the script is she depended so much, like many mothers do, on her son for her happiness. And that comes out through the show. You know, it's just... um, it's an in, it's an interesting format that we're in now because it really forces us to be more internal. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There's a lot more time to think, a lot more time to be alone and think, right? right. So and you, when you're facing a script, it's one thing to look at a script and, and analyze it with a group of people in a room and a table right. read or table work. And it's another thing to go, okay, well, now I'm going home and it's, you know, I'm home and it's me in the script and uh, rehearsal's over and I have to sit here because I've got, you've got to put a lot more work and time in on your own, alone. It's kind of like opera. Oh, how so? Talk about that. Like opera because when you come into rehearsal, I never got used to that, that world. Uh, When you come into rehearsal, you better know your lines, you better know everything about your character and then you, your voice has to be absolutely top. And it's the same as this. You don't have to, with Zoom, you don't have time, mm. really, because time is money. You don't have time to talk about, you know, the way you feel about a character. You, you've got to bring it to the format. You've right. got to bring it. And uh, because, as you know, we didn't have... A whole lot of time. No, we didn't. There were, you know, I was talking about it with Tom too. There really, and you, and there, um, there, it wasn't really a, a lot of rehearsal time, considering, no. especially when you compare with the amount of rehearsal time you normally have with a regular production of four to six weeks or four weeks, depending on, you know, for a play, four weeks for a musical, more. But um, and you've done both plays and musicals, so you know, you know the difference, and opera, so you know all the different um, requirements and, and and the rehearsal periods. But yes, you're. Right. It is, it's, it's different in rehearsal as well as in performance. And it's very tension-provoking because you've got to do all this work by yourself and you hope you're right. And, oh, and you have to keep staring at yourself on the screen. That's the part I hate the most. <laughs> well, I don't stare at myself on the screen. I don't, I don't know um, what I look like because that will be a distraction for me. Oh, it's terrible. So, yeah. so what, what I'm doing the whole time with the Zoom is... I hear the other character that I'm talking to, I hear him. And to me, he's right in front of me. 
You react to the so, camera. Yeah, because even right now on Zoom, I can see me to the left, but I'm still looking at you through the camera. Right. I'm so used to the format now. Uh, I'm, I'm used to you as the character. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't look. You don't look at yourself at all. It's it's down there, and you just ignore it, and you go right for the. The, the camera, which is smart. I mean, I remember, I mean, reading something about Elizabeth Taylor, that she was one of those performers that uh, the camera loved her and she loved the camera. She was wonderful on camera, but on stage, she didn't have that same sort of quality. So it's a different, it's a different skill. You have to, having a relationship with the camera is something you have to develop when you're working in Zoom, you know, and, and you've got that, you've got some experience there. And I think it, it helped you a lot. Well, if you're shy, you have trouble with it, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm a very shy person, believe it or not, mm. but uh, I find film very revealing. Sure. So then you go into a set and you're not feeling right about yourself or you're a little bit off. Oh, boy, does it show in the camera. Yeah, the camera sees everything, right? Right. Now, with, with Zoom, you're not looking at, you can't see the playbacks. Yeah. So it's sort of a different format. It's got a live feel to it, despite it being film. Yeah, that's why it's kind of like a hybrid. So talk to me a little bit about, so you've talked, you've already started to talk a little bit about Catherine, the the lead character that you're playing in Mothers and Sons, that for those listening will be offered at, you know, streaming online January 13th through the 17th at metrostage.org. So um, when when this airs, uh, people will have, you know, a week or so to kind of get ready for that and just go to metrostage.org and the link will be there. But um, as you're preparing for the role, I mean, this is a pretty hefty role that Terrence McNally uh, wrote, I, I assume specifically for Tyne Daly, but um, I, I don't know for a fact, but um, she I certainly- was. It was, yeah. And she certainly got a Tony nomination for it. So the question becomes how, how, how did you approach this character who is so complex? You talked about the layers. Was there anything else that you did? Um, I took, I took all of my insight from the script. Yes. You know, um, she just lights up when she meets their, their little boy. Bud. Yes. When she meets Bud. Yeah. She just lights up and it, it just, it, takes the layers away and you've got to sort of allow that taking the layers away to show in your voice. Mm. Yeah. I was fascinated watching you. Um, oh. and I didn't tell you this during the process cause I wanted you to, to have your process, you know, and I, I, I was directing, but, um, watching you in the playback afterwards, how, um, you, your character changed so much with each person that she was interacting with. So she's the one character, really, she has a scene, important scenes, obviously, with Cal, the lead, and then with Will, his partner, by herself, she has a scene. And then there's a couple of small, very, very important scenes with Bud, the child, their child. And with each character, I was watching all the different facets, the layers that you were, how, as a person would, react differently to the different people uh, in the play. Uh, and you're sort of she's she's really the center. She's the anchor. I know. And you find you find through the script who she likes and who she doesn't like. <laughs> yes, and through her dialogue too, and everything she talks about her past. So you know, she for those who don't know the play, I'll just quickly do a, a quick synopsis. And I, you know, you and I have talked a lot about this, but this is um, a, this play is really a, a sequel to uh, uh, something that Terrence McNally had written earlier in his life called Andre's Mother, which then became a teleplay, which he expanded for television in the, I think the late 80s, early 90s with Richard Thomas uh, on the TV version. Uh, and it, back then, the, the original play is about a, a man who, who unfortunately, you know, he, he, he has AIDS and, and more, he passes from AIDS. And um, the mother, Andre's mother is the central character. Now, this is many, many years, decades later, and she is um, visiting her uh, son who's died's uh, partner uh, at the time and, you know, before his death, uh, partner and his new husband and child. Um, so it's really she's an intriguing character because she shows up at the top of the play and you're wondering what, you know, it's hard to play a character where the audience doesn't know what their intentions are. 
exactly. So, and also, she's looking out the window. She's looking at Central Park. It, it's, and you have to visualize that. I, I found myself, I could see exactly what the Delacorte Theater looked like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could imagine what my son looked like in all of his shows. It's, it's again, this format, you have to see it in your mind. Yes, it's really, it's really um, challenging. And I, I was watching you and all the other, the other actors, um, you know, face that challenge head on and do really such a great job uh, and develop so many, as you were talking about, layers to these characters, even on a Zoom. I'm always impressed with something that's online where you really see all the, the, the complexity. It's easy to get very surface, you know. Oh, it's that that's our life is surface. Yeah. So it's it's really interesting how how much you were able to mine from this character who she has some really big uh, sections of dialogue where really she is going through a lot emotionally. But then I remember that you have performed, you know, in Masterclass in Maria Callas, the role of Maria Callas in Masterclass is so has so many long uh, pieces that are so emotionally complex as well. So you've had that with Terrence McNally. You had that experience. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk a bit about, so this is now, is this your second Terrence McNally uh, lead part? It's my second, yeah, second Terrence McNally play. And I've also, I've done Masterclass twice. Okay, right. So you have two different experiences with that huge um, piece. Oh. Yeah. Well, the, the first time, uh, was in Columbus, Ohio, and my mm. husband had just died. Oh wow! He made me promise. He made me promise him because I, I wasn't. I knew how sick he was. He he never did, but uh, I. He made me promise that I would do this show, and it is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. So mm. that when I, I think I was told that I was better than Faye Dunaway. Ooh. Well, that's this fantastic. Is, I, that's a good. I know. And I went, wait a minute. I finally arrived. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the the various actors who played, you know, the the role when it was first done on Broadway and elsewhere, um, you know, from Tyne Daly, Zoe Caldwell, right? Right. Tyne Daly did the tour later, right? Later on in other production. But yes, Patty Lapone. Um, oh, I didn't realize Patty did. Uh Faye Dunaway. Uh, and and a few others that I'm probably missing, but those none of those were um, you know lightweights when it came no. to acting. <laughs> those were tough well, well, ladies. And Maria Callas is on every page. Yes, <laughs> it's really her the whole time. I was I was much more uh, connected the second time I did it at Metro Stage. Right, was, so you have a connection to Metro Stage. You've you've you you're. Oh. Course. You've been working there for a while. And so when you did it, what was different between, so you did the one production in Columbus and then, then for uh, Metro Stage in Alexandria, Virginia, which is, a, for those listening who don't know, is a fabulous um, off-Broadway, I would say, style, like uh, theater uh, in, in Northern Virginia, right outside of Washington, D.C., in the suburbs of D.C. And it's such a wonderful um, a place to perform. It, it really is. Uh, I'll, and I'll never forget opening night, we got a standing ovation from all of the critics in Washington, D.C. Wow. And, you know, they don't stand for anything. No. Oh, my God. Yes. I can think of a few. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to really. And I think it's one of those plays that is such a heavy lift for anyone yeah. that it you rise to the occasion. You have to rise to the occasion of the material. Terrence McNally's material and his, his, his script, you know, forces you to really, I mean, you can't get up there and not know what you're doing. Well, and the same here. Yes. Uh, same with Mothers and Sons. And I found with uh, Masterclass, I could not do anything extra. I couldn't even go out to dinner with my friends between shows because I knew that I wouldn't have enough energy mm. to get through the second show. And it was very important to me. I felt like, in a way, that I was a spokesman for oh. Maria Callas. Wow! And uh, I feel like I'm going to do her. I'm going to do her show again. Oh, uh, yeah! You think there'll be a third, at least a third time that to do to do this show? I don't show. know if I have stamina for oh, it. Oh, <laughs> come on! I'm sure you but, do. I don't know about two show days. Those are always crazy, no matter what you're doing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, yeah, you certainly, so what I, I guess what I was getting to is that you're, you're not unfamiliar with the work of Terrence McNally, I think at this point no. you have, and I was, I was very, um, 
impressed with how quickly you you grabbed onto it and went with it with the character. And because I think you're familiar with the style. Tell me a bit about Terrence McNally. What do you think makes him so special in your view, in your opinion, and with the experience that you have working on uh, two of his major pieces? What can you share uh, that you think is his, what makes him special? Um, all of his characters, now I'm just talking from two shows. Uh, the complexities come from not being able to communicate with each other. Mm. It's, it's communication, which is what we have in everyday life. We can't communicate with each other. We try. But, and, and the hurts that you see as you go along. Um, case in point, Maria Callas was terribly angry at her mother because her mother pushed her and pushed her and pushed her to be one of the top uh, opera singers in the world. And it's like the mother, Catherine, and Mothers and Sons also, it's, it's like I think that she was pushing her son to love her, to, you know, to, it, it's, it's uh, again, they couldn't communicate, they couldn't talk. So there was a hidden anger, uh, I think, with the, both of them toward each other. Mm. So uh, I find... It's probably taken from Terence McNally's life, but it's this lack of communication that brings out the complexities in people, because the complexities in characters, because, you know, the hurts build and build and build, and he has the courage to give you just a little insight into the hurt and then goes on to something else. Mm. You know, then he'll bring... Then he'll bring uh, the little son in who is pure, who does not know about the hurts yet. And hmm. I have a very, it's hurt and anger about Cal. Both of them, how dare they find happiness when I couldn't get out, I, 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 I'm alone. Yeah. Well, in a way, they're alone too. Hmm. You know, they've had to deal with th- this whole um I've never been able to call him my hu- hu- husband. It's like, you know, the, the, we all try to communicate, and um, that's what makes us so, to me, complex. Right. Because it's like building blocks. As we go along in life, we put up more walls mm. and more hurts. Uh, like Cal says in the end, he said, why didn't you hug me? I just wanted you to hug me. Yeah. And then she says, I can't. I can't to this day. Right. Now, that, that's the one thing that I had to be very careful of in this show, of not going overboard with the poor me, poor me. Mm, yes. Because that gets boring after a while. Yes. And uh, it, it loses its interest. But um, I just wanted to bring that up. It's, it, I had to find a, a balance so that she would also be likable. But for me as the director, I identified Catherine with sort of the Germanic sort of, you know, that tough exterior kind of person who does have, as you said, a lot of hurt in there that she might be, um, you know, layered. It's layered under there. So she's not showing at all. Well, and don't forget, she says that she grew up with, uh, there was an oil cloth on the table. Mm-hmm. She was embarrassed with the way she grew up, so she was trying to do everything she could to get out, and it was to buy a dress so she could go to the country club and meet somebody and get the hell out. Right, yeah, her backstory is quite interesting. So, I mean, I think, and, and you're right, McNally does not give you it all up front, right? He, he gives you little bits and pieces, little breadcrumbs, as, which is very smart, as the play goes on, so you get to know this this character in 90 minutes. You know, the play is... 90 minutes, no intermission. It's very uh, crisp, but, um, but there's little things revealed throughout. So you really have to, 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 you can't just watch a bit of it. You've got to watch it all to get the full effect. Exactly. Oh. Well, you guys did such a wonderful job. And, and um, you know, we're almost out of time, which is crazy um, how fast this interview has gone, Alona. I, I do well, want to talk to you. We had a wonderful cast. Oh, we did. Yes, we yeah. had a fantastic cast for, you know, you... Uh, playing Catherine, uh, Tom Story playing Cal, uh, Ewan Chung playing Will, 
and young Jesse Coleman playing uh, the six-year-old Bud. Uh, you, the four of you were really a joy to work with. Um, and so for those who, you know, and, and I think this, Ilona, we're, we're going to be looking forward to following your career. I'm sure we'll talk more in the years to come once we reopen and once you are out there um, on the stages of, of the D.C. area and beyond. Again, we'll be we'll be looking out for you and all your upcoming projects. Thank you. If, well, I'll be looking out for you too. I want to work with you again. Oh, I know. Tom and I said we want to do that. We want to do the play uh, live too. So let's see what happens if we can convince Carolyn <laughs> at Metro yeah, Stage when once the Metro Stage opens up. So in the yeah. meantime, before we 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 can go live, anyone who wants to can can listen and see. Uh, the recording of Mothers and Sons streaming online January 13 through 17 at metrostage.org. It is free, but we just ask that people click on the donate button and to help uh, Metro Stage with their capital campaign as they're moving to a new space in the near future that's going to you know, really be a shining uh, little beacon there for, for those in, in Alexandria and in the D.C. area. It's a beautiful space, a new theater. So, Ilona, if anyone wants to keep up, you have a website, right? If they want to follow your website, go to your website and find out what your next project is. What is your website? It's www.ilonadulaski.com. All right. That's so a- people can go there and read more about your voiceover work. Um, they can find out more about theater when you're you're doing it and uh, live and and otherwise when you're on Zoom and, and online and you'll be posting things there and you're singing as well and I know you also do musical theater so it's all the all the things together. Well, you can't hit a moving target. <laughs> That's always been my philosophy. Excellent, I totally <laughs> agree. Excellent way to end it. Thank you, Alona, so much. Have a great rest of your day, and thank you so much for being on American Theater Artists Online. Thank you so much, Stefan. Thank you. Hi, Tom. Hi there. Hi, welcome to American Theater Artists Online, our podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest this week. Thank you for having me. We're very excited to talk to you because, well, mostly because you're a very well-known and respected actor, uh, at least in the Washington, D.C. area. I know you've also worked in New York and across uh, many cities uh, in our big country. But um, I I wanted to talk to you specifically today um, about your work on the upcoming Mothers and Sons, Terrence McNally's Mothers and Sons, that will be streaming online January 13 through 17 at metrostage.org. So I thought we'd have you on to talk a bit about that process. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Well, thank you. I survived the holidays and, uh, you know, looking forward uh, to this year being over. <laughs> I know, right? I was going to ask you how you're holding up during this extended pause that we're all on. Yes, it has had uh, a lot of ups and downs, um, and you know, in May, it, it, I'm not sorry, in March, it will be a year since I was in uh, a show. So um, <clears throat> that's a long there pause. There have been some good things. Yeah, it's a long pause. <laughs> it's a long pause. So um, I'm excited to uh, get vaccinated and hopefully get back to work soon. Absolutely. I think we are all feeling that way. And, you know, it must particularly be difficult for someone like you with your extensive resume and all the shows that you have done. I mean, I know you've worked on over 70 productions. That's a lot. And I know you are one of those actors, at least in D.C., I know and hear and see your name. You are constantly working, which is hard because a lot of actors are are not able to be constantly working. But you are either as an actor or a director. I know you're now you direct a lot as well. Um, you must have been really busy, and so it must feel really strange to suddenly have no theater to work on. But right, but you're working online, right? Yeah, yeah, I have been working online. Um, um, but you know, it's it's not the same thing. Just in terms of like the hours. I mean, I was pretty much working eleven months out of the year usually. For mm-hmm. I mean, I've been a professional actor for twenty two years, and at least eighteen. I, I was employed almost year-round, which I've been incredibly lucky um, and the right place, the right time, and I do all different kinds of things. So um, I remember thinking before all this hit, gosh, I, I, I would love a break, and I had a little bit of a break coming up, and 
I guess, careful for what you wish for because it's been much longer than I had anticipated. Um, sure, and for an so, actor, for an actor, that can be really difficult um, to be to not be able to be creative, at least not on stage, for uh, almost a full year. Yes, yes, and I definitely needed to recharge. And um, some of the good things that have come out of this it is a kind of renewed desire to. Um, <clears throat> you know, go to work. Um, so yeah. And, and not being creative has, is definitely hard. I mean, I've, I've learned how to cook, so that's been, Oh, good for you. Cooking. That's a, you know, that's creative, right? There's some creativity in that, but you know, um, I'm curious, um, because I know that your work is very broad. You've done a lot of, uh, a wide variety of different things. And I think that might be one of the key reasons why you stay employed. Um, you know, working on everything from Shakespeare to Noel Coward to Sondheim, David Ives, you know, and, and many other, um, you know, authors and a lot of work that you've done is very varied. And I, I, I think that versatility must have served you well. Where does that come from? Is something you always were interested in? I mean, I know you went to Juilliard. Was this something instilled in you there or prior to Juilliard? Were you always someone who liked to do all the, a variety of different things? It kind of evolved. I, um, <clears throat> when I was in high school, I thought I was going to be a musical theater person. Um, although I, I was very interested in like <clears throat> Shakespeare and stuff. Uh, but I really loved musicals. I mean, that was my first passion, even though I never was a very good dancer. And I, you know, I mean, I was a much better singer back then than I am now because I, I haven't done it as much, but, um, it kind of started with that love of musical theater. But then I remember, um, when I was, a maybe a junior in high school, I went to see in the same year, Merrily we roll along at arena stage and uh, the seagull at arena stage. Mm. And the seagull was when I kind of was like, Oh, I, th- there's something in this that I want to, I want to live in this world too. Mm. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I would say like in my professional life, I, I have done, I mean, I have done musicals and I, I do them and that's one reason I think I've also worked so much is that occasionally a part will come along like Hysterium and Forum or uh, uh, Trunchbull and Matilda um, that I can like really, I can use my, all my skills in. Mm. Um, But mostly I have done quote straight theater. Um, That's kind of, yeah. But, but yeah, with like maybe six or seven musicals. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this, because I've asked this to a lot of different people. You know, I, I just spoke to Emily Skinner a couple of weeks ago, and she, she is one of those that's an actor first who also sings. Uh, and do you have a specific approach when you create a character? You know, every actor has a different, quote unquote, process, and we could spend all day talking about it. But I was just curious. And is it different for, for you for a musical than a play? Or is it different depending on the type of play or material? Or do you, are you one of those actors that just wings it? I mean, their people are all different types. So what is your preferred approach? Yeah, I, um, I kind of always, I think this is like the, the Juilliard training, how we were taught to build character is that it's all in the text mm-hmm. and that what other people say about you and what you say about yourself and what, you know, even stage directions, you kind of compile, like you do that research first. So that's usually how I start when I'm developing a character. Um, and I have a pretty slow process and, um, I need the time to, to kind of, uh, figure out who the person is and start like using myself and then, taking some of myself out and putting that other guy in in there like the traits of, of the character and um in musicals the difference is that like because i don't you know it's not my like number one skill so i have to spend a lot of time learning the music hmm. and so that is a whole other thing that happens and i have to get incredibly comfortable with the music so that that isn't like holding me up so that I can act through a song. Um, 
so that's kind of like one main difference between between the two and um because that takes so much time um i have to kind of speed up the process so i usually end up working harder on on musicals before i start Mm -hmm. um and i really try to walk in there knowing all of the music so that's just because i have to some people can just you know like look at a song and know how to sing it so well no clearly there's a whole other piece to musical theater that you've got to look at and i wonder if your training um your classical training has perhaps prepared you also for musical theater because you know just like in the classics uh, you have to kind of deal with language in a heightened way in a musical. Yeah, totally. And and there's a yeah, there's kind of a a form mm-hmm. to classical yeah. text, and then there's a form and a song, and how you live and stay human within those forms is something that I really enjoy the challenge of that, um, which is why I like Shakespeare too. Um, so much and, so. and you know there's not a lot of actors who are able to stretch into all those areas you know they sort of f- tend to find their niche and they're either in classical or perhaps classical contemporary doing you know what we call straight plays you know non-musical theater pieces and then occasionally maybe a musical but the fact that you're able to stretch from classical to contemporary to um you know and i've, I've known of some of the things that you've done that were pretty you know uh, edgy contemporary as well. So it's not like you're just doing classical or classic pieces when you're not doing musicals. So you're, and you're also musicals. And I know that, that, um, that you really enjoy contemporary work. And I was going to talk to you a bit. Uh, I was going to ask you, because now that you're working on this project or just finished working on uh, Terrence McNally's play Mothers and Sons uh, for Metro Stage, that's that's starting uh, in January online. Do did you have you ever done a Terrence McNally piece before? I have not. Oh, I, um, I have not, not. Although he he spoke at my graduation from Juilliard, huh. um, and it was a really incredible um, speech um, that I'll never forget. And I I have seen tons of his work, and I was actually. Um, I was actually going to be in Love, Valor, Compassion in the Berkshires, um, where they always uh, try to find me a slot in the summer um, to either direct or act. And I and then they switched the season around, and I ended up doing the Glass Menagerie instead, which was happening at the same time. So I didn't get to do Love, Valor, Compassion, although I still would love to do it. Um, there's something about it's a play you. That I, you know, I think the reason I ask is because there's something about you that I think would be really uniquely suited to Terrence McNally's work, all of it. And if you if you look at a lot of what he's done, he was also a very well-known book writer for musicals, right? He wrote books for several musicals. So you have that ability, the musical theater, but and then you also have your, your strong acting background. I think you'd be a perfect candidate for uh, many of, of, of McNally's plays. So I'm really glad that you're able to finally sink your teeth into one. So let's talk a bit about Mothers and Sons and that experience. This is something that you worked on online for Metro Stage. And so what was, first of all, it's, it's something that, you know, was recorded um, and is going to be streaming online January 13th through the 17th of this new year as we're getting into in 2021, um, which is great. And but how was the process for you as an actor, like um, approaching this um, online piece rather than live theater? Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 different. Um, it's very different. I'm fortunately you were, we were, and you were available to rehearse a little bit more than some of the other things that I've done. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just a kind of like initial pass through the play. Um, but of course it's not the same amount of time that you would spend rehearsing something, um, for a live production. Um, it, it was, um, it was interesting. I mean, I really felt, um, first of all, I really fell in love with the play by working on it, which is something that really can happen because I, sometimes I read plays and I don't quite know how I feel about them until I kind of get inside of them. Mm. Um, and I think it's a very challenging play. Yeah. I think that it's um, kind of Jacobian and there's a lot of language in it, but you know, there's, there's like so much going on underneath it. Um, the relationships are really interesting, particularly the relationship between my character and the mother. Um, so, I, 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 I really 
in, loved working on it and, and would love to do it again um, in a live form. I learned a lot from this experience. I had done about, well, I, I recorded a Christmas carol for Fords, which was a very different thing because that is just strictly radio, sure. um, audio. Um, and then I had done, I've done like three or four Zoom workshops and readings, most of which were just aired um, for small groups of people. But the only small groups of people were watching. So nothing that has been filmed that is then going to be shown. But, um, you know, there's there are different techniques that I didn't have before this pandemic hit and before we started doing this um, thing. And you really helped me, Stefan, when you, you know, because there's you can't really take a lot of stimulus or whatever you want to call it from the other person's face because, you know, you're not totally off book. You're looking into a camera. And so to kind of treat it like a radio play um, is very helpful. Um, and that's something I learned from, from doing this where I was taking more from, from the words and less for what, like whatever Alona's eyes were doing or, mm-hmm. um, and that is a skill that I've done two more things since um, since we did this. And that was a very helpful skill because this is a very different thing. And I don't know if we'll be doing this forever, but I imagine we'll be doing this more even after the pandemic is over than we did before. So um, that was interesting to kind of get a new technique for this thing because it's not a film. And it's not a play. It's its own. I think it's its own animal. Absolutely. And I think that's very smart of you to point that out because, you know, in film, you have to be aware of where your camera is or the camera is at all times without looking like you're aware. Uh, But you have to know, the good actors know, you know, what the angle is, what's happening, and there's lighting and there's all sorts of different stuff. And then, of course, there's all this editing and post-production. Right. Uh, But in this, it's like, you know, you want to interact with your other uh, your fellow actors. But yeah, so like I think you're right to say it's sort of like a hybrid between the two. It's got a bit of both worlds. And how do you straddle that without? And I think your comparison to radio play is really a smart one, because then then you're able to kind of see how you can tell the story using your voice as well as your face, uh, you know, and the upper part of your body or whatever showing of your body that time uh i did you ever feel uh constrained in that box there's like a you know that box that uh, it's around you whether you're on zoom or or stream yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yes i i do because i think that like you know physical action is such an important part of telling a story on stage and physicality is also such a big part of telling a story on stage and and you are kind of don't have I mean you have a tiny bit of that that you're able to to do but but mostly mostly you're not and then you don't have like the behavior that kind of reveals can reveal subtext or whatever like you, you don't have the activities that can kind of take you off the language so it um so yeah I mean those those are the things that like I think if, you know, we all did this more and more and more and hopefully we're not going to have to, um, that we would figure more ways to get some of that stuff back. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, like I wanted to like walk across the room sometimes or. Yeah, there's so much you can reveal. I know myself from my acting training, when I got my MFA, I was always, everything for me was very physical. I had to inhabit the body of the character. How does how does the character move was always super important to me. So this medium yeah. is, is really difficult for someone who's very physically, uh, you know, it's just different. You have to really adapt. And I can imagine that, that that was a challenge for you, but I think you rose to it. So I was, I was going to ask you something more because, you know, we, we, when, when Carolyn Griffin, the artistic producing artistic director at Metro stage and I first started talking um, about doing something together. And, you know, Metro Stage is, is currently moving spaces from a small space to a much more 
a, a, a much more modern, newer space that's going to anchor the the North Arts District there in, in Old Town that's supposed to open in hopefully 2022 or, or early 2023. So they were already shut down for the pandemic. But we were talking about having something online for Metro Stage. And then I, I, I approached Carolyn and I said, you know, Terrence McNally just passed. You know, he passed, you know, of co- he died of COVID, right? Related um, illness. And um, and he died in, in, in the early parts of the pandemic, uh, the very beginning. And so I said to Carolyn, you know, I, I just saw a documentary on, on Netflix about him. There was an old one that was, I just saw it again after he'd passed. And I said to Carolyn, we need to do something as a tribute to this amazing man and playwright. And uh, she instantly said, absolutely, what do you want to do? And so I picked this play, Mothers and Sons. And um, so to me, as a gay man of a certain age, to me, Terrence McNally is is super important. So I was wondering if for you, um, what do you think makes Terrence McNally special for you? No, I, I think that he chronicled that time where I was a, a young man, but as a young queer person, like coming of age in, you know, under the shadow of AIDS was, had a profound effect on me in, in so many ways and ways that, you know, even this current pandemic has kind of triggered certain parts of me and fears and stuff like that. Um, And just seeing Fauci, seeing Anthony Fauci all over the place again, did it for me. Cause I remember being 13 or 14 and he was everywhere because it was the beginning of the AIDS crisis. And yeah, I think you and I share that we're, we're of similar, um, uh, we're some, we're in the same generation. And, and I think both of us probably were, were coming of age, uh, during AIDS, the, the height of AIDS, which is really, I don't think I ever really processed it till I, I faced this play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do remember seeing, um, see, I grew up in DC and I left for a long time and then came back about 12 years ago. But, um, I do remember seeing, uh, gosh, what did the opera, his play about the opera, <laughs> Lisbon Traviata. Lisbon Traviata. That's it. Thank you. Thank you that's so much. It. So yeah, so I saw that in yeah. studio, and I saw um, Love, Valor, Compassion in studio, mm. and just seeing you know gay men on stage, like fully kind of realized um, people, was very important to me. I mean, pe- we talk about representation, and that was very important. Even though I was unlike many of those people, I I saw other gay men on stage and uh that was so and he was a part of that also of course angels in america was a part of that yes and the normal heart was a part of that but all, all of those plays that came out of that time um were important uh to me because i had not seen a lot of representation mm-hmm. um so that is is one way that he um that his you know that he uh, affected my life is is by those those people he wrote that I saw when I was um, you know in high school and early years of college. So yeah, and he really does sort of for for you and for me uh, traverse that whole period from sort of the beginning of you know even though he was writing prior to the eighties, but it seems like his work really sort of took off in the eighties and nineties. That's when he became perhaps most you know well known and then started branching out into writing you know, books of musicals. And I remember right. his book for the musical Kiss of the Spider Woman, which is such a difficult uh, novel, Manuel Puig's, Arge- the Argentinian's novel. Um, and then to, there was a movie, you know, of course. Uh, but then after the movie, to have a man who was not um, Latinx in any way totally capture uh, in in the musical the feeling of, of that prison, of the dictatorship, of you know of being in South America, and as someone who grew up in South America, I very much had um, was was amazed that he was able to capture 
capture that and kiss the spider woman. So he clearly had a, a wide variety of abilities uh, to write about a lot of different things. But I think as, as gay men, perhaps we do feel a, a certain affinity. Now, what do you think about this particular play, Mothers and Sons, which he wrote, you know, towards the end of his career in 2014, it came out on Broadway with Tyne Daly um, and, and, and did well, did very, very well um, for, you know, for most standards. But, but what, what do you think about the play itself? It wasn't completely loved by the critics. Um, I think it's a really hard play. I mean, like I said, I, I, I fell in love with it by working on it. Um, I, and there was something uh, about the character of Cal that um, I thought he captured something about people who survived that the AIDS epidemic. Um, and it, it's I think it's easy for... Uh, young people to forget how many people died and I mean I luckily I didn't have a ton of people who I knew who died but men who are five or ten years older than me talk about how you know it was like two or three funerals a week and um, at at one point Um, and but I think in 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 this character he, he captures like what it's like to have lived through that and have a whole other life, um, but somehow, like the guilt that you feel about the people who didn't make it, um, the relief that you feel that you did, um, all of those kind of complicated emotions. And he, he also, I also love how he talks about. There's some things that just like move me deeply about it. When, when he he says, you know. Andre and I, when, when Cal is talking about his lover um, who died of AIDS and he's talking to his mother and he says, you know, I am married now, but we weren't married. I was not married to your son because it was not possible mm. and it was not something that I even dreamed of. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's implied we would have been married, but no one allowed us to. Um, so I find that like an, a very important thing to remember. I think that, you know, we're in the middle of this new pandemic, but we cannot forget that it's only been five years since we were able to be married. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a lot of time. And um, I personally never dreamed of marriage because it wasn't possible. Same. So I didn't dream about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's an it adjustment, an right? It's really weird. Like even when it, and it affects your current, your, your relationships throughout your life because you're, you could meet someone and be with someone and it's going great, but you don't even think like I had an ex and you know, now ex, but I, I he was so into to getting married and being, and I was just like marriage, that's for straight people. Like I it couldn't, right. I couldn't get it in my head. Because I had grown up yeah. in the in the 80s and 90s with that message in the early right. 2000s that absolutely not, you know, marriage is for straight people only. And so, yeah, I definitely when you know when that came about, it certainly changed everything. What's interesting about this play to me is it's generational. Uh, you know, it goes through the different generations. You know, but it shows progress. So in a way, it's a memory play, and in a way, it's a progress political play because. You know, by so for those who don't know the play, and they'll hopefully will watch it January thirteenth through seventeen at metrostage.org, uh, that um, that it's you know the the basic plot is uh, uh, well do you, you know Andre's mother, who is Andre's the the gentleman who who passed of AIDS many years earlier, and he was your character's um, former partner lover. Uh, boyfriend, whatever we they called it back then in those days, right? Uh, before mar- you could marry. And then his mother, he died, and his mother is now coming back to visit you after many, many years. And you are now, your character is now remarried to a, a slightly younger uh, a guy who's of a different generation, and you have a child, right? So it's a whole other, so it shows the passage of time uh, while also making a political statement. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think it's wonderful how how it does it. And, and, you know, and you and Ilona Dulaski, who plays uh, Catherine, uh, Andre's mother, uh, do a fantastic job working together in this um, 
this piece online. As you said, with all the challenges, you're still able to work together and work across across the internet lines uh, to still convey uh, the relationship and the history. And and I it, this place spoke a lot to me as a, a gay man of a certain age, as someone who has been in a relationship for a long period of time with someone who was older than myself. And then now I'm in a relationship with someone of a different generation, younger than myself. And being, that's what Cal had, you know, that's his experience. And so I very much identify with Cal. I don't know if, if that's something that resonated for you. Well, no, I mean, I've, I've had, I've had the same, I mean, I guess we're the same person. Cause I was also going to say, I grew up in Central America. Oh, I don't think we knew that about. I did not know yeah. that about. Oh but, my god! But only for I, for all of elementary school. But anyway, but it still but leaves, I it leaves also, a mark. It leaves a mark. It was in a relationship. Yes, it totally leaves a mark. I I was in a relationship with someone ten years older than me, and now I'm in a relationship long relationship with someone who's like eleven years younger. That's exactly so what happened to me. I yeah, also know that. Know that. <laughs> that is weird. So yeah, you know that dynamic, and I guess I see. I see it throughout the entire play. The messaging is to me. That's how I see it. Now, I mean, I know there's the whole Catherine um, and Cal piece about Andre, which is also important, and that's the history. But talk a bit about towards the end of the play. You have a very large section, several pages of dialogue or a monologue, I should say, in that case, uh, where you talk a bit about that history. Of, of so many years of, of the change and what happened over time to gay men um, and what has the progress that's been made. What do you feel? What did you feel when you were working on that part of the play? I mean, to me, that's kind of like the, the I don't I don't I don't know if I'm going to use the right words, but like, like the, the culmination spine. of what's that? I was going to say the spine of the play, maybe. Yeah. And that, and that it, it is Cal's kind of like, over the course of the play, what he gets to, mm. um, where where I, I think he really gets to a place where he he works out some of the things that have happened over the years, and he to me the most kind of, I don't I don't want to ruin it, but like the most powerful thing he ends up doing is um, releasing his need from. Andre's mother. Releasing the need for, for approval. Yeah. Yeah. Releasing the need for her. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, uh, and then, of course, the place kind of shifts and this amazing little miracle happens at the end that makes me weep. But, um, but yeah. No, that, I don't think that's spoiling. I think that's important. And, and as an actor, the fact that you recognize that transition, that you recognize there's a development of the character throughout this. You know, it's a short play. There's no intermission, 90 minutes. It goes by really fast. The fact that you're able to find that arc in that character is, is smart. That's good. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but there, I think there's something very true about it, too, where, where we, um, you know, uh, have had to kind of push a lot of things down and we have to deal with people who don't believe that we, that, you know, God loves us or that we deserve the same rights as other people. And I think there's a certain amount of like assimilation that has happened in my own life where I just present, you know, politely so I don't ruffle any feathers and that's kind of how I've gotten through the world and I think it's the same for Cal and um eventually to be to be able to say I don't care about you anymore (laughs) Mm, (laughs) or your judgment like Mm -hmm, I am yeah yeah so I think that realization is really smart one and I think that that is absolutely right that is Cal's Cal's journey through for the play and I think that's great but you know well we'll we'll leave it at that because I don't I think what you did was not a spoiler I think it's good you're setting up uh, some interesting things that I think people will want to see but we don't want to give away anymore uh those who want to to watch your full performance and that of Ilona Dulaski who's playing Catherine Andre's mother and Ewan Chung who's playing Will your husband in the play and Jesse Coleman young Jesse Coleman who's playing your 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 young uh, child, your boy, that you guys um, have together. Um, I think, you know, the, people can, can watch the full play and see 
make their own conclusions about what they can take away from Terrence McNally's Mothers and Sons. We're almost out of time. Um, I'm sorry it's so short, Tom. I'd love to have you on in a future, uh, you know, next season to talk a little bit more about your work but um, in the past but and, and future. But uh, thanks so much for, for being on American Theatre Artist online today to talk about your work in uh, Mothers and Sons by Terrence McNally, which opens January 13th and runs through the 17th. I like to say it that way, even though it's streaming online due to the pandemic at metrostage.org. Is there anything else that you'd like to leave people with? Any last uh, thoughts or, or anything people can, um, you know, if people want to to find out more about you or know what's, um, you know, anything else that, that you want to share? Um, no, just that, you know, there's, um, obviously this is such a tough time, but the, um, the things that have come along, like where you can, uh, use your skills and be creative. I'm very grateful for. So I'm, I was very grateful to be, to be a part of this. And I, uh, you know, I, like I said, the play really spoke to me and I, I hope that someday we can all do it um, on a stage somewhere. I agree. And I'm hoping that that will happen as well soon. Maybe who knows when Metro Stage opens again uh, in a few years, we'll right. be able to use the actual stage <laughs> and have, have right, live right. audiences again. Let's all hope for that. Thank you so much, Tom. It's been wonderful talking to you. I really appreciate it. And I um, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.